Today I'm going to speak to you from Ephesians chapter 6, and this is on how to be a parent, how to raise children God's way. From uh, the scripture, we, we see as we've walked verse by verse through uh, the book of Ephesians, we come now to the very end. We've been walking through this book for months, and we come now uh, to how to raise children God's way. And I understand that there are some here today, and, and you may think that your past childbearing years and, and God has already moved uh, in your life. I, I often think when I read Ephesians 6, I'm reminded many years ago, I, I met a a man named Abraham. He was in his early 80s and he was a widower and he met a, a woman who became the apple of his eye. Her name was Sarah. I, I can't make this up. Abraham and Sarah. And, and they were both older and, and both widowed, both been married for 50 years plus to their, their original spouse and, and both of their spouses died. And so Abraham and Sarah, they, they come together. They, 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 they're planning to get married. I have the opportunity to do their wedding. And, and they begin to look for a house. And I said, where are you all looking? Are you looking in this part of the neighborhood? Or are you looking in that? part of the neighborhood. Where are you looking? And Abraham looked at me with a big smile on his face. He said, preacher, I don't care where we move. I just want to move close to a primary school. I said, Abraham, why in the world do you want to move close to an elementary school? He said, because the last time, time an old Abraham and old Sarah came together, they had a kid. So we have to be ready. We have to be ready. And so you never know, you never know when a child may come along. But of course, when we come to God's word, we understand that uh, we, we, God's word is so practical, isn't it, on how to raise children. And it's, it's anti-culture to talk about some of the things that we're talking about today. But, but I believe that we can come to God's word and see what his word says about raising children. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this word. And God, as we speak from these these verses today, Father, as parents, maybe as grandparents, maybe even as great-grandparents, even as children, single adults, Father, may, may we grab a hold of the truth of this text. And Father, that, that whether we haven't had children yet, and we will, Father, that we will apply these lives when that time comes. And, and Father, for those of us that are older, may we, may we look back at this and say, uh, this is the truth of God's word. And, and we'd be praying that, that our grandkids and great-grandkids will grab a hold of these truths as well. So Father, we, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. In addressing children, he says, children, respect your parents. And may I add here that the word children doesn't mean small child. He, he uses this word children, and, and it is inclusive of all time. So in addressing children, he says, respect your parents. Teaching children to honor uh, parents, respect them, to obey them, that's critical for the health of the home. It's also critical for the health of the nation. Part of what we're seeing in our culture today, in our country today, uh, the breakdown of our country, the breakdown of our culture is directly tied to the breakdown of the home. When the home breaks down, the home is the, 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 the most uh, 
basic building block of any country, of any culture. And when the home breaks down, when the family breaks down, everything else begins to crumble. And so what we've seen in our country is the breakdown of our culture and country, I believe is directly tied to the breakdown of the home. It's the breakdown of marriage, as we saw last week. It's the breakdown of, of, of children and, and parents and this relationship. The, the health of the home uh, is directly tied to the health of the nation. This is a bedrock moral principle. It's precepts that we have to build upon. As a matter of fact, what we're talking about today, Paul, uh, the writer of Ephesians chapter 6, of the, the whole book of Ephesians really, but here in Ephesians 6, he, he quotes something from the Old Testament. He quotes the Ten Commandments, and, and he ties here the Ten Commandments, uh, the, 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 the top ten things that we're supposed to do, right, from the Old Testament, the law given by God to Moses, and he quotes one of them. In fact, he quotes uh, commandment number five. There's ten commandments. The first four of the commandments are all about our relationship with God, right? This vertical relationship. You shall honor the Lord your God. You shall not have uh, any other gods before you. You will not take the name of the Lord in vain. It's a vertical relationship. Uh, commandment 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, the next, uh, the next commandments are all about our horizontal relationship, our relationship with others. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Uh, those things are how we relate to one another. The one that hinges between our relationship with God, the vertical, and our relationship with man is this, this commandment to honor your father and mother. And so this is the hinge of the commandment, hinging with our relationship with God, our relationship with others is this commandment. And it is the commandment with a promise. Uh, For those who obey their parents, there is a promise tied to scripture that if you want to live a long, healthy life, you will obey your parents. And that doesn't mean that if you disobey your parents, your your parents are going to take your life. That's not what he's meaning here. This is actually, you may think your parents are going to take your life more than your iPhone if you disobey them. But but the, the, the point of scripture here is that when you obey your parents, there's an intrinsic principle tied here that if you obey your parents, you will live a long, healthy life. Paul, repeating the fifth commandment, says children are to honor their parents. And how are we to honor them? We honor them by obeying them. That's what he says here in chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. You know, this is countercultural, isn't it? Our, our culture our culture magnifies rebellion. Our, our culture magnifies uh, going against authority and going against the man. And, and I tell you, we want to do whatever we can. If this is the rule, I'm going to find a way to break the rule. That's what culture teaches us. But God's word says, no, God's word teaches us obedience. But this shouldn't surprise us that this is how culture is, right? The Bible teaches us that this is what culture says in the last days. I, I want you to take your, t- keep your finger there in Ephesians 6, but turn over with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to show you something very neat. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we've probably read these verses many times before, and I wonder if you've ever caught on to what Timothy says here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to his young preacher boy, Timothy, and he, he's telling him that in the last days, there's going to be all kinds of, of things that are anti-culture. And I want you to see what he says. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. But understand this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. And then notice what he says, disobedient to his parents, unholy, 
ungrateful, unholy, heartless, of all of these things that that is mentioned here that that in the last days people are going to be unholy, people are going to be ungodly, people are going to reject the truth. And oh, by the way, these people are also going to be disrespectful of their parents. That's one of the big sins that that Paul mentions here in 2 Timothy. So when we're talking about obedience, we we understand that the, the world glorifies rebellion. They glorify it. The Duke of Windsor once said, the thing that impresses me the most about America is the way parents obey their children. (laughs) The fact is our culture rejects the godly values of Scripture. Our children are being raised in a culture and oftentimes by a culture. We we allow television and internet and, and other things to raise our children. So we're not just raising our children in a culture, but we're allowing culture to raise our children. Our children are being raised by culture that is anti-God and anti-Christ. Our kids are being raised by the TV. Our kids are being raised by the internet and Hollywood. The average age a child first sees pornography is at the age of eight. The age of eight is the first time a child, on average, will see pornography. As as I've thought about hearing my grandparents and parents talk about being raised... You know, they, they, everybody's always faced issues in school and growing up. There have always been things that you face. And, and I, I'll never forget my grandfather telling me that when he was going to elementary school, uh, that the, the, the one thing that would get him in the most trouble was bringing a frog into class. Uh, literally a frog. Like they would take a frog and he would scare girls with a frog. And, and, and I'm sitting here thinking that that's so random and so odd. But, but that's, I mean, that was what people were afraid of, were boys bringing frogs into class. But... Today, today, do you know what our culture and, and what kids are facing today? The, the top six major issues facing kids today are, number one, internet and gaming addiction. In fact, the majority of children are in front of a screen 20 hours a day, seven days a week. In front of a TV, in front of a phone, in front of something, some type of screen, 20 hours a day. And so what, what's happening within our culture, our children... From early on all the way up through college, they're, 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 they're being addict, their addiction to, uh, to, te- to television, to internet, to uh, in front of a screen. Number two, the second thing that plagues kids today, not bringing a frog into school, but drugs and alcohol. Number three, school shootings. Number four, bullying. Number five, violence at home. And number six, suicide. These are the six big things that are plaguing our children, our, our teenagers, our, our youngest children. These are the things that, that primary school kids are, are, are dealing with in our country and in our culture. And it's time for us as the church to say, now, wait a minute, that's not okay. It's not okay for small children to have to be worrying about things like that. What happened to the innocence of children? What happened to the innocence of childhood? And what happened was the breakdown of the home. When the home breaks down, everything else crumbles. And when we don't teach our children, when we don't uh, invest in our children at home the way we're supposed to, when we don't teach them obedience, they're going to obey someone, right? If you don't teach them obedience at home, they're going to learn obedience somewhere. You only get one shot, parents. There's no reruns in, in parenting, is there? There are no reruns. And so, so as we get ready to go toward this, understand that, that these, this is a very, very serious topic. Three things that we, about obedience that I believe the scripture teaches us. Number one, we must require obedience. We must require obedience. This is why the Bible teaches us here in Ephesians 6 that we must teach and train up our children. They're to obey, obey authority. Parents are to teach obedience for home. You see, home is the university of life. Your children should not learn about God by coming to church. Your children should learn about God and Jesus Christ in the home. 
It's in the home that, that is the university of life. Mom and dad, you are the professors. The Bible is the core curriculum. The goal is to graduate your children into godly living. The ultimate goal of every parent is to teach and to train the child to follow Jesus Christ, to, to make disciples. Make it a constant passion, a continual pursuit of, of you as you're raising your children to do this. Unfortunately today, I believe that, that children and, and, and parents are driving their kids to be like the world, pushing them to excel in academics and athletics and socially, but ignoring their spiritual development. Now, there's nothing wrong with athletics. There's nothing wrong with academics. And, and, and kids, students, you can't say, preacher said, I don't have to study because you keep pushing me to academics. I can do whatever I want to. No. But if we make that the goal, if, if that's the heartbeat, if, if that's the culture, if that's what we're setting, there's a huge problem, a glaring problem, because we keep pushing these things and we're ignoring the main thing, which is spiritual development. And many parents are, call, are, are falling into this thing that I call the parent trap. You know what the parent trap is? It's the parent trap, the pressure on parents today to perform for their kids so their kids can achieve. And we're running from this sporting event to that sporting event. We're, we're running uh, from this activity to that activity with all this, this pressure to keep up with the Joneses, to, to, to do because this is what the culture is telling us to do. And we have pre- parents who are pressuring themselves, their own marriages, and certainly putting pressure on their kids that they may achieve academically or athletically something that they did not achieve themselves. Now, it's not wrong, parents, to push your kids. It's not wrong to motivate your kids. I believe you should push them. I believe that you need to motivate them. But if you make that the central force, they're completely missing out on the key thing. You have to drive home the the spiritual depth. You have to drive home God's word. Because, you see, oftentimes we don't spend enough time to develop them in the ways of God. Whether or not your child is a compliant child or or a strong-willed child, it's this parent's responsibility. It's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to submit and to teach them to submit their wills to God, to do and to accomplish what God has called them to do, to respect God's authority, to respect your authority as a parent. Again, Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents. Now, obviously, if children are going to obey their parents, they have to be taught obedience. If children are going to obey their parents, they have to be taught obedience. Let me give you an example. You understand that you have to teach your kids this, right? Your little angel. Your little angel at home. Do you have to teach your little angel to be selfish? Be honest. I know our little angels, we don't have to teach them to be selfish. Do you have to teach your, your little angels to, to lie? No. That comes naturally, doesn't it? It's inherent in them. Have you ever wondered, have you just stepped back and said, what in the world is wrong with you, kid? Tell the truth. You see, David said we are born into sin. It comes naturally. And the sin nature of our children begin to show itself, doesn't it? And it begins to show itself when there's a lot of people around. That's really when they like to show themselves. The more people around, the more, the, 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 the more uh, it's going to make us want to shrink and hide, the more they're going to say something or do something out in public. And you know, you just want to take them and shake them. I said, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But you know you'll get put in prison if you shake your kid in public. So you say, wait till we get home. And because you're older, you forget that you said, wait till we get home. (laughs) 
Children have to be taught obedience. We have to teach them right and wrong. Our children, our children are, are being raised in a culture that <clears throat> there are no moral absolutes. You, you've heard this before. What's right for me is right for me, but it may not be right for you. What's wrong for you may be wrong for you, but it might be right for me. There's no, more, there's no moral absolutes. Well, that's completely wrong. There are moral absolutes. Moral absolutes are what governs the whole world. God set moral absolutes, what's right and what's wrong. It's always wrong to commit It's always wrong to commit adultery. It's always wrong to tell a lie. Those things are what the Bible calls sin. And there are such things as moral absolutes. And your children are being systematically seduced and indoctrinated by a culture that doesn't believe in moral absolutes. They don't believe in a standard of right and wrong. And this only fosters the rebellion that we're seeing today. So we must aggressively and proactively teach our children to obey. Now, to obey the word. To obey the word here in our text, it means to listen up. It means to, to, to perk your ears up. So if our children are going to listen to what you say, you've got to be telling them what the word says. They must know the rules of life, God's rules. Now, just a few observations from this text about requiring obedience. First of all, parents, you need to teach your children the word of God. That's implied here in our text. It says to instruct in the ways of the Lord to nurture, to the admonition of the Lord, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord. In other words, you need to teach them a biblical, a biblical worldview. Everybody has a worldview, right? Everybody looks at the world through a certain set of eyes. And your culture, the way you've been brought up, your, your convictions has, has translated into how you see the world. And, and so we all have a different context. We all have a different worldview. And here in the 21st century, we have to help our children develop a biblical worldview, to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, to, to look through to the world and, and see the world the way God sees the world. Because let me tell you, if you don't teach them a biblical worldview, they will learn another worldview outside of the home. We have to teach the children the scripture. If we're going to teach the children the scriptures, we have to know the scriptures ourselves. When Moses was teaching uh, the parents, he instructed the parents of Israel concerning the children. He said, teach them when you rise up. Teach them uh, when you sit down. Teach them when you go to bed at night. It's a normal daily practice for your life. Teach them by your lifestyle and not just by your words. Teach them by your lifestyle, not just by your work. Your children are going to remember far more about how you live than what you say. Your kids, what your kids are going to remember when you're you're older, when you're gone, your kids are going to remember so much more about how you lived your life than what you said about life. We have to teach our children continually. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Parents are admonished here, and children as well. It says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. And that's not a chain like a, a noose that, that, that people are dragging around by. No, what he's talking about here, fathers and mothers, this is our assignment. To, that, that, that truth, that when we teach our kids truth, it's like a crown on their head. And children, when, when your parents are instructing you in the Lord, it, it, it's, it's like a gold chain around your neck. It, it brings honor and glory. Moms and dads have to be on the same page in, in teaching children the scripture. Now, I know I'm speaking to a lot of single parents here today. And I've said this before, and I say it again, that the toughest job in America today is being a single mom or a single dad. My, my heart goes out to you. I don't know how you do it alone. I don't know how you do it, uh, being a single mom and a single dad and working and juggling. Uh, that, that's hard. It's the toughest job in America. 
But whether you're a single mom or whether uh, you're, you're in a nuclear home, whether you have a, 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 the husband and the wife together with kids, uh, being a parent is not easy. But you need to sit down and you need to determine how are we going to teach our kids? How are we going to train our kids? What's a game plan for their life? John the Apostle said that there's no greater joy in knowing that your children are walking in truth. Require obedience. Ultimately, it's not a matter of just our children obeying us. That's important. But our ultimate goal is for our children to obey God. Dads, you understand. Dads, do you understand that the way your little girl, the way your little boy is going to view God is is how they see you walking? Like it or not, that's the truth. That's the truth. And their view of God, their concept of God, if, if you're always saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, they're going to be raised and they're going to think of God as very strict. If dad's non-existent in the home, then they're going to see a God that's non-existent. Research and statistics tell us that the way our children that are being raised, the way they're going to view God is the way they view their own father. And this is the raising and teaching obedience it must be, it's not the responsibility of the church. It's not my responsibility to raise your children. It's your responsibility. The church's job is to come and to undergird what you're doing, to, to challenge what you're doing, to, to build up what you're doing, to encourage you along the way. But it's not the church's job to raise your children. It's not the church's job. Uh, they should be hearing more about Jesus and God throughout the week than just on Sunday morning. The church cannot replace the home. Did you hear me? The church cannot replace the home. You as parents are commanded to do this. It requires obedience, but not only does it require obedience, we must reinforce that obedience. To teach our children, training our children. Training includes discipline. Training them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we have to reinforce this obedience. Reinforcement of obedience is positive. It can also be negative. I want to speak about the positive first. We should be a blessing to our children. Children respond a whole lot better to positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. Children are a lot like dogs, right? They, they respond better to positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. Children need to know that you're on their team. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, hope or love believes all things. It hopes all things. When we lovingly uh, bring our best and we, we, we encourage our children, we're going to get the best out of our children. Do it when they're little. Do it through their teenagers. Encourage them. Your little child's going to bring you a, a, a coloring sheet, and, and, and she's going to think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and she's going to have colored, and she's going to be colored outside the line. She's going to be colored where it says name, and she's going to write her name backwards on that sheet, and, and nothing's going to look beautiful, and she's going to bring this and say, Daddy, look what I colored. And if you say, that's ugly, you just broke her little heart. Be positive. You know what, girl? You're such a good colorer, you didn't even have to stay in the lines. You colored it all. That's awesome. Encourage them. Don't lie to them. Don't say, that's, that's perfect. They colored outside the lines. But you can encourage them. You know what? That's awesome. I love seeing your personality on that coloring page. Now, that doesn't mean, teenagers, that when you bring hope and say, look, I got an F. Your parents say, that's good. No. No. No, no. Not okay. This is not what we're talking about. That's taking me out of context, okay? 
Dr. James Dobson said, we should praise our children seven times for every one word of correction. You should praise, children need to be praised. Children need to be encouraged. Now, now this doesn't mean what our culture has taken this. And our children, uh, we've wa- raised up a whole generation of kids that think they can't, they, that they can't uh, lose, that, that they always win. And that's a problem in and of itself too, right? Raising a kid that thinks that every time they do something that they, they, they do it the greatest and the best because every time I do something, I get a trophy, Right? That's wrong too. We, we need to teach our kids how to lose and how to lose well. We need to teach our kids how to win and how to win well. And, and so in sports and academics, when, when they succeed, we encourage them. When, when they fail, we, we encourage them to get back up. And, and, and so we understand that, that our children, and this is true, I believe, that what Dr. Dobson said, seven times an encouragement, a praise, seven times more than a word of correction. Some kids, unfortunately, grow up and think that their first name is, is sit down and their last name is shut up. And that's not okay. That's not okay. Our children respond to generous praise. I believe that obedience should be rewarded. You say, well, that's bribing your kids. I'm not above bribing my kids. You love them. You only get, this, you only get one opportunity. You, 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 don't get, you don't get this. They, they don't stay little very long, do they? They grow up and they get meaner, don't they? They get smellier. They, 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 they just grow up. And, and so, listen, there, there's no manual. When you have babies, they don't come with a manual. They don't come with an operation manual. So because of that, we have to take this manual because this manual is the guidebook for life. And it teaches us and tells us how we are to do these things. And so we, we understand that we have to bring discipline. And discipline is, can be positive, but discipline also, also has a negative side. We have to re- re- reinforce obedience sometimes is painful. It's like that in life, isn't it? When you mess up at work, does your boss come along, put his arm and say, hey, you know what? Just try next time. No, you get corrected. Discipline is not always fun. Discipline can be painful at times. Some parents are not on spanking terms with their kids. And I'm not telling you that you have to spank your kid, but there's nothing wrong with spanking your children. Lord knows that my parents believed in spanking. I got spanked when I, when I deserved it. I got spanked when I didn't deserve it. My mom was the disciplinarian in the home, and, and, and I would just walk in. I would come in from a day playing outside when kids actually play outside. I, I came in and, from playing outside, and, and she said, you got that look. You did something, didn't you? No, Mom, I didn't do anything. Bam, 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 bam. What was that for? I could just tell you did something wrong. What? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't believe that spanking's wrong. Abuse is wrong. I probably got abused a few times in my life, but abuse is wrong. But, but, but handling correction in the right way is, is right. You say, well, my parents, <clears throat> it says, uh, I, 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 my parents aren't always right. It is, I can't obey them. My parents aren't always right. The scripture says, it doesn't say obey your parents when they're right. It says obey your parents for this is right. It's the right thing to do. Your parents are sinners just like you. They're going to mess up. They're going to fail. They're going to falter. And as we said last week, the only time that you don't obey your parents is if your mom or dad tells you to do something that would result in you sinning against God. Just like wives, the only reason why you wouldn't submit to your husbands, as we said last week, is when they're telling you there there were about four different things, if you remember, one of those four was if they tell you to do something that would result in you sinning. Same thing with, with children. Your first 
obedient, the first person that you are to obey, the first person that you are to submit under is God, is, is Jesus Christ. That's where you first fall in. And then you fall in under your parents. And so uh, if your parents say, you've got to stay up and study, or no, you can't go to this party, or no, you have to do this, you have to obey them because you say, well, preacher, it's going to make me sin. It's going to make me angry if, if, if I don't get to go to this party. And preacher said that, that if my parents make me do something, that's going to make me angry. That's going to make me sin. So that means I get to go to the party. No, again, you're taking me out of context. If what they specifically tell you to do, if they say, you know, I want you to go out and I want you to lie to this person, or I want you to do that, that's, that's when you don't obey them because it would lead you to sin. You know, it's, I, I find the older that I get, I become more like my dad. I find myself, have you ever noticed that? That you start talking like your parents and, and you, you said, I will never become like my dad. I will never become like my mom. And as you get older, you find yourself saying to your kids the same thing your parents said to you. They say, well, well, everybody else is going, and what do you say? Well, if everybody else is jumping off a cliff, would you? And your kids are sitting there thinking, why would I want to jump off a cliff? All I want to do is go to a party. Where did a cliff come from? And they're so confused, and they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And if you will remember when you were their age, it didn't make sense when your parents said it to you, but you still say it, don't you? Mark Twain once said, he said, when I was 14 years of age, I was amazed at how ignorant my old man was. But by age 21, it was incredible how much the old guy had learned in just seven short years. (laughs) You know, when you're younger, you you don't realize how much your parents actually know. You don't realize that that mom and dad, they they, they actually want what's best for you. And and we have to be interested, of course, in this. We we want to create an attitude, children, uh, an attitude that that is is responsive to God and responsive uh, to his word. Number three, parents have to reflect obedience. Not, re- not only require it, not only reinforce it, but we have to reflect obedience. Obedience is just as much caught as it is taught. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is just as much caught as it is taught. How will your children remember you? I'll assure you, as we've already said, they're going to remember you far more for the life that you live than the words that you spoke. Words are important. But m- the, most, the most important thing and what your kids are going to remember is your life. Is it an authentic Christian life? Our kids know beyond any shadow, and I'm praying that I instill this, that we've got a little five-year-old and a little one-year-old. And, and right now, I'm teaching Abigail, our little girl, five years old. I, I'm teaching, honey, daddy makes mistakes. Daddy messes up. Daddy sins. And, and she's in this talking about sin and all this. And, and she said, daddy, are you perfect? And, and the part of me says, yeah, baby, I am. I am. I can do no wrong. But, you know, that's wrong to teach her that. And so I say, yeah, honey, daddy's a sinner. But the one thing that I want to teach our children growing up and any more children that God may bless us with, the one thing I want them to know is that, yes, first and foremost, daddy is a sinner. But daddy practices what he preaches and he preaches what he practices. That's, that That's not only my goal, but that should be the goal of every parent in this room. That should be the, the goal of every Christian parent, that, that our children look at us and say, you know what, they're going to mess up. They're, they're, not going, they're going to lose their cool. They're, they're going to do these things. But, but he practices what he preaches, and she preaches what she practices. It's the authentic Christian life. This is true parenting, and we have to model godly behavior and mentor our own children. We're to model this message of, of the Christian life in these eyes because you see these little eyes, these little eyes see 
a whole lot more than those little ears here. And as your child is being raised, you want to show him, you want to show her a a model of a Christian life. This is who Jesus is. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, follow me as I follow Christ. Our children are in desperate need. they're, They're longing for a role model they can look up to, and that ought to be you. Show them what a Christian looks like. Let them see Jesus in you. And then, as we said, there's a promise tied to this. Ephesians 6, 3 talks about it. Uh, the uh, Exodus talks about it in the Ten Commandments, that it may be well with you so that you may live long on the earth. That's speaking of, of a child's quality of life. You want to live a long life. You obey your parents. That's what the Word says. There's a spiritual blessing tied to this. This is a promise from God's Word. Children, we have to honor and respect our parents. This, this, and, and the promise, the principle of God's word says that will, he will be well with you. You'll live long life. When you teach your children, parents, listen. As we've already said, for our children to obey us, we have to teach them obedience. That can be positive and negative. But understand the investment that you're making in your children. When you let your children be hoodlums and they just do whatever they, they want to do, and, and you're, you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm letting them express themselves. No, you're not. You're not, you're, you're, you're not teaching them correctly. The Bible says that for them to grow in obedience, then there's a blessing tied to that. It is our responsibility to teach them obedience. And when we teach them obedience, when we teach them the truth of God's word, then we're basically setting them up for success. When we hold that back from them and we allow them to do whatever they want to do, we're setting them up for failure. Teach your children to honor God. Three things, three takeaways from the, the message, and, and we're going to close down. Three things that I believe that, that from what we can pull out of everything that I said, here are three things that I believe uh, we, we need to understand straight from God's word. Number one, know where you aim your children. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Know where you aim your children. Psalm chapter 127. 127th Psalm. This is one of the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, Psalm of Ascent. If you've ever been to Israel before and uh, you're out there by the eastern gate on the eastern side of the wall, there's steps that are actually date back to the time of Jesus. And it was the main entrance into uh, the, the temple area. If you've been there, you know where I'm talking about because you probably sat on those steps. And on those steps, all the steps here you know, in America, they, they require all steps to be even because our brains teach us that if you have you know, eight-inch step, eight-inch step, eight-inch step, eight-inch step, and then a 10-inch step, contractors will tell you uh, that if you do that on that 10 inch step, people are going to fall and trip every time because in our brains, uh, we're, we're used to a certain step being a certain. Uh, and so when steps are uneven, it causes us to think and focus. And so all the steps leading up to the temple area are all in different shapes and sizes and degrees. And that's on purpose because they don't want people walking up willy nilly uh, to go and worship God in the days of Jesus. They, they did different sizes of steps because they wanted people to focus. And, and as they were walking up each step, they they would recite these psalms of ascent. And so as they were preparing their heart for worship, they would be walking up the steps into God's house and they would be quoting uh, these psalms of ascent as they would ascend to the Lord's house. And this is a psalm of ascent. And he says here uh, in Psalm 127, verse three, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. 
Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What's the purpose of an arrow? The purpose of an arrow is to shoot at the enemy, right? And so we understand that our children are arrows, that we, we understand that we have to hold them with open palms and open hands, and we have to let them uh, be who they are. But uh, arrows are meant to be fired at the enemy. And so many parents, they, they allow their children to be consumed with today's world. But you as a parent, you must prepare your children, your child, to impact and to change our world and culture. Your child, your child has the ability. Do you know what the neat thing about an arrow is? An arrow can go where a warrior cannot go. Think about that. An arrow can do things that the warrior cannot do. And so when you fire your children out into the world and, and your children turn 18, 19, 20, 21, and you're ready to fire them out in the world, understand that your child is so awesome that they have been given this unique ability, this, this will, this purpose from God, that they are going to be able to do things that you could never have done. They're going to be able to impact this culture and this world in ways that you cannot do. The arrow can go to places that the warrior cannot. But the arrow is only going to go where the warrior shoots him. And so as, as warriors, as parents, it's our responsibility to make sure that we aim our children in the right direction. And when they're ready to be fired, we fire them out into the world and, and it's going to be a dart into the heart of the enemy. Know where you aim your children. Number two, you must discipline your children. Discipline your children. Uh, that means that you beat them when they look at you cross-eyed. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I believe the major problem with the home is that children are not disciplined in the home. This verse in Psalm 127 verse 4 is not only speaks of direction, it also speaks of discipline. If you don't discipline your child, someone will. If you don't discipline your child at home, someone will discipline your child. Discipline just means to fall in line, right? That's what the word discipline means. It means to come in line with. And if you don't discipline your child at home, when your child goes outside of the home, your child will be disciplined. Disciplined by friends. Influenced by friends. Influenced by culture. Influenced by gangs. Influenced. Your child will, your child will fall into discipline. So, again, I'm not opposed to spanking, but I, I, I am opposed to abuse, and I'm, abuse, I'm opposed to beating your child. But no child was ever scarred for life from, from a spanking. Now let me warn you, dads, never discipline your child while you're angry, whether that's spanking or timeout, whatever it is, however you discipline your child. Never do it when you're angry. Discipline should only be done when you're level-headed and not emotional. But Proverbs 23 does tell us that no child was ever killed from a spanking. Now, you think, he might think he's going to die, but that discipline's teaching him something. I'll never forget my, my mom. I shared with you that I got my share of, of, of spankings uh, growing up. And, you know, when my mom spanked me, it didn't hurt. I cried to make her stop, but it didn't really hurt. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I would cry to make her stop doing that. And, and so I, I learned that, that when she came and, and she started uh, spanking me, I, I would just start crying and she would stop. Dad, on the other hand, dad, he would just, you know, the, the more I cried and the louder I got, the, the more it revved him up. And I mean, he just, but, but my, my mom, I, I would cry and she would stop. I, I remember this, I was growing up, I'll never forget this. I started crying because it didn't hurt, but I wanted her to stop. And so she stopped and she went into her room and she, she normally closed the door, but this time she tried to close the door and she didn't close the door. And so I walked by her room and I was going to go and tell her that I was sorry. 
uh, for what I did. And as I was opening the door, I, my mom was laying on her bed and she was, she was sobbing. She was crying. And that, that impressed me. That, that, that left an a, a, a impression on that young heart. And I didn't understand it. Many years later, just a few years ago actually, I said, Mom, I don't know if you know this, but, but you remember that time I did this? And she goes, oh yeah, I remember that. She said, I spanked you hard. That must have hurt. Yeah, Mom, it hurt. She said, you sure did cry? I said, yeah, that to make you, that just to make you stop. <clears throat> I said, I, I walked by your room, and that time I, I noticed that you were on your bed crying. She said, she said, Wesley, she said, every time I spanked you, and it was a lot. But she said, every time I spanked you, she said, she said I, I, I would go and cry. She said, because it, it hurt me to do that. It hurt me to discipline you. And she, she would say this, and I never understood it when I was a kid. She said, Wesley, I'm doing this because I love you. Bam, bam, bam. You know, it's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. If you love me, why are you, dis- why are you doing that? I didn't understand that as a kid. But as I've gotten older, I understand it. And if, if she didn't love me, she would let me go and do whatever. If she didn't care what I did, then she would, you know, none, none of that would have mattered. But... It, it hurt her. The discipline hurt her. And, and kids need this. Kids need to see that their actions have consequences. They need to know. Kids today need to realize that actions have consequences. I, I truly believe that, that this generation, we, we're seeing all things happen in, in this world today, aren't we? Weird things happening in schools and, 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 and everywhere. And, and we're saying, what in the world is going on? Here's what I believe. I believe that, that we have raised a generation of, of kids that think that life is like an Xbox game or life is like a PlayStation game, that, that if I run off the road or I do something wrong, I just hit reset. And, and we have raised this, 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 this generation thinking that they can just reset the life, that, that nothing bad's ever going to happen to them, and, and that, that it's just going to be okay, and, and life's not going to be okay, that, 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 that there are consequences to actions. Know your kid. Know what form of discipline works. Abigail, we don't have to spank our little five-year-old. I can give her a look, and she, starts, she just starts crying. I don't have to spank her. She, I, I look at her. Abigail is so in tune with, with what she's doing. She'll be in her room and she'll come to me and she'll, she'll be crying. I, I get down and say, Abby, what's wrong, honey? And she said, Daddy, I was in my room playing and I thought about punching Eli, my little brother, and I know that's a sin and I'm sorry. She goes, I'll go sit in time out, okay? All right, honey, go on. She's like her mama. That was not me, but that was, Sarah had to have been like that because that was not me. Eli, on the other hand, I'm afraid is going to be like me. <laughs> what this means, we're out of time. What we're out of time, but uh, the blessing comes. I want you to notice in Ephesians 6, 4, we take this verse out of context. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, our kids do some silly, dumb things, and, and they'll say some silly and dumb things, and, and as dads, we think those things are funny. Like a kid walking into a wall is funny to me. They, you know, your kid's just running, and then boom, they run into the wall. First of all, you make sure, is there any blood? No blood, no foul. They're not bleeding. <laughs> That's funny. You should have saw him. I mean, he was running, and boom, hit the wall, fell down. You know, and, and, and Sarah's quick to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. She quotes this verse, and, and so I've done a lot of studying on this verse, and, and, and here's what this verse actually means. 
This verse doesn't mean you can't laugh or make fun of your kid when they do something silly or stupid. What this verse actually means is that there's a blessing tied to something you do. You, you can either bless your kids or you can cause your kids to enter into wrath. You can cause wrath or blessing upon your children. Dads, you have this responsibility. You can either cause wrath upon your kids or you can cause discipline or, or, or blessing upon your kids. The blessing comes from when you discipline them and when you instruct them. Again, Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if, when you discipline them, when you instruct them, you bring blessing upon them. So it's our job, dads, to do this. Number three, very quickly, be consistent to teach and train your children. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, and, and, and uh, that's called the Shema. If, if, if we were uh, Jewish or you were in Israel, you're going to, if, if you walk out of a door, every door is going to have the Shema on it. It means to hear. And it says to hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy six, four, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then uh, it goes on to say, uh, to teach your children, to train your children, uh, to, to, to write these uh, words, I command you, on your heart. You see the heart, that, that's, it, it's all about love. It's about being consistent and teaching and training. By the way, the word there uh, to teach in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, that word to teach, it literally means to sharpen. It means to make a penetrating stab. It means to, to love your children enough to, to stab them uh, with the word of God, to take the word of God and to penetrate their heart uh, with the word of God so that uh, you can teach them and train them and disciple them as they grow in the Lord. That is our job.